ending a day, Saturday at Woodstock. When people knew was forced to get off of home base, we thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people are getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Podcast 99. I know it's been a while, um, but we got some more survivors in the chamber for you. So we'll be putting a, we'll be putting some more out soon. Today we have on Ryan. Ryan went to Woodstock 99 late in the evening on Saturday to catch uh, Limp Biscuit, Rage, and Metallica. Missed Limp Biscuit by just a hair, but caught Rage and Metallica. Um, also had an interesting time on his way to Woodstock 99. So you have to check that out. This is a this is a nice ease back into the groove of Podcast 99 for us. Again, we have our other show, Culture Dumps, that we uh, that's our main focus now so be sure you check that out i'll remind you again at the end of the show um but yeah we're getting ready for for a new a new you know slew of survivor stories this is a good one to get back into it with so without further ado this is my interview with ryan all right folks i'm sitting here with ryan who was kind enough to share his woodstock 99 experience um well, Ryan, I mean, as we like to do, we're, we want to thank, first of all, thank you for joining us. And uh, we want to start from the top, you know, so l- let us know where, where were you in 1999? How old were you? What's life like? So just go ahead and uh, set the stage for us. Sure. Yeah. So, gosh, 1999, I was 20 years old and I was living in Syracuse, New York at the time. And uh, I'm not far from there now, actually, live in Rochester, New York now. Uh, I'm 44 now, uh, but back then I was 20. I was working at a hotel in Syracuse called the, oh gosh, it was a Doubletree Hotel, the Club Hotel by Doubletree is what it was called. And um, so I I didn't buy tickets to go to the festival. And and it sounds kind of funny by today's standards because back then, and I'm I'm taking a guess here, but I think that, I think they cost about 250 bucks at the time, maybe more, I don't remember, but, but Back then, that was an exorbitant amount for for the money that I was making at the time, and I was probably making minimum wage at the time. And uh, so I did not go. I wasn't planning on going, um, which yeah, I was sad about. But uh, I got tickets because, well, not tickets. I, I should clarify a wristband because a guest that was staying at the hotel that was going to the site, Woodstock site, each day. I guess you know they went for Friday, and then on Saturday they had to leave for some sort of a home emergency, and they left. Uh, you know, the you know, wristbands to to get in. Left about four of them at the at the front desk. I think I was the only one that took them up on it. I, I took one for myself, and I just I just went. Um, I had some uh, friends that went to us. I knew they were there that day. Uh, mind you, keep you know back then the the cell phones were not what they are now. So uh, you know you had to pay for minutes back then, and so a buddy of mine he must not have had minutes left, so he'd shut his phone off, and I couldn't get in touch with him to tell him, "Hey, I'm coming, I'm on the way," you know. Um, so that's how I kind of got I got I got wristbands from somebody, and I and I went on a whim. Um, and and that's how I got there. Well, so when when someone leaves them, is there like a like an employee like announcement or something? Like were you guys all told like, hey, there's extra, or or was it more of like a hey, like dude, some people left passes here? Yeah, yeah, it was it was very informal. Yeah, they they just left them at the front desk, and yeah, I don't think other. I mean, you know, keep in mind, you know, the 
I'm trying to think of, a, of an analogy or something that would be similar here, but, but, you know, we all, lo, we were considered locals, right? I mean, the, this festival was only 45 minutes away from where we lived at the time. And so uh, I don't think, I think most people probably had no interest in getting stuck in the traffic that, would, that definitely came as a result. Uh, I did not, that did not scare me. I, I, I must've had the next day off of work. So I was like, whatever, I'll just go. And I was, my intention was to just show up and then, uh hightail it out you know maybe later that night or something i just i wanted to go to see rage against the machine i wanted to see metallica i would have loved to have seen limp biscuit i didn't get there in time for that but um you know no i think it was just very informal i think you know there was I, there were some left when I, I didn't take them all i only took one and i didn't know that I was, it was going to get me in i mean i, I figured that the, the security was going to be so locked down that you know there was a risk i wouldn't get right right so I mean, were you so obviously there was a couple bands that you wanted to see, but like overall, was that something that you were bummed on that you, that you weren't going to get to go until you found out that that you were able to? I mean, was was that something that you would have oh, really made it to? I would have, yeah. I mean, back then I was much more adventurous than I am now. Certainly, <laughs> so yes, I would have loved to have gone. Um, you know, and it's funny. So, so in my my email that I was I was telling you. Um, I, I wasn't planning on going. I was working at the hotel at the time, and um, ironically enough, the I guess it must have been Thursday night before the festival. Uh, Jamiroquai was was the only artist that stayed at my hotel. They they uh, and it was a whole band. I shouldn't say it's not one person. It was a whole band, but um, you know, back then there were uh, agents and you know the management for all these various artists were for months ahead of time. You know reaching out to so i remember seeing I mean, back then they used faxes and stuff so there were faxes coming in all the time from artists like alanis morissette and uh, i think brian Setzer orchestra and and some other groups that they never ended up staying at my hotel but but back then they were putting out the feelers because there's only so many hotels in that right. area well that brian Setzer orchestra so, i mean like that's got to be a whole nightmare fucking getting a hotel room for like 60 dudes Right, right. Yeah, they, they never stayed there. But right, um, yeah. so and so I, I had the unique experience of of bringing Jamer the, the band at Jamiroquai to dinner that one night they, in the hotel shuttle. So the dinner with them, but my my young taste buds would not have enjoyed that. They, they went to some Indian restaurant. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, I was I was not that adventurous back then. But uh, so I, and play, you know, I probably had to get back to work or whatever. So I just dropped them off. But, um, you know, and this, the funny part is I wasn't even really a Jamiroquai fan back then, but as the years have gone on, I actually, I, I do enjoy it, that, that music now, but, um, you know, back then it was all about corn and Limp biscuit and rage, you know, the, the, the angry stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the irony of it all. So now with you getting to the grounds Saturday night, I mean, shit's already been going on for quite a while. Shit's already been, like Limbiscuit just played, so the place is now starting to get tore up. I mean, what's your initial impression upon arriving? You know, yeah. So it, it, the the journey to get there was was its own story. I, my car, I had a you know little horrible piece of crap car that. Uh, broke down on the throughway on the way to the site. So of course, just my luck, right? So the car broke down. Uh, the tow truck driver that came to rescue me was kind enough to get me as close to the venue as he could without getting stuck in too much traffic. Uh, and from there, I just uh, hitchhiked with, with some folks. I didn't get it. I mean, if I if I had gotten there in time, I would have been able to see probably the last little bit of Alanis Morissette into limp biscuit i probably would have gotten there but the, the the car breakdown sort of derailed all that 
Um, and it was fun because I got to listen, you know, they were airing it live on the radio at the time. So I was, I was you know, I could tell where, where the festival was at, who was playing at the time. Um, it was, that, that part kind of stunk because it was like history was kind of going by. Right. I was about to say that kind of sucks. Like it. the big band that you want to see, you're it like, was, it's right there, yeah. but you just can't get to it. Uh, exactly yeah it was kind of a tease so yeah so i got there i am not i'm taking a stab in the dark here it's probably oh gosh you know it was just getting dark so eight third eight o'clock eight thirty at night something like that and um i i could i mean you gotta keep in mind that it was is huge the whole site was just enormous and you could i could see the stage way way off in the distance from where i entered the festival and Limp Bizkit was was still on stage at that point, but I, I mean, I couldn't see them. I, I, it took me a long time to get closer to the stage. Um, so I, I, as they wrapped up their set, I was just sort of starting to get into, you know, the, the crowd. And I, I mean, I, no kidding. I mean, I never even made it halfway through the crowd. It was just, it was just that packed and that big. Um, and, and of course the headline, I mean, you know, those were the headliners that night. So you know, obviously the fans and you know, all the people came crowding towards the front of the stage. And, um, so I had, you know, missed the, I, I feel probably was the best performance was Limp Bizkit. That, that's my opinion on it. I, I mean, that's certainly the um, one everyone I, I, remembers. <laughs> it, it really was, you know, I, I've watched it a million times after the fact. And, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't there for that part or what I was just entering as that was taking place. And, um, but I got to see the whole set for, for rage. I got to see the whole set for Metallica, which, you know, I, I didn't have a watch on me at the time, but I, I felt like it went until about two in the morning and it went, it went, it was a long set. And, um, you know, I got to see that. And then, uh, you know, so while Metallica was playing, it's kind of a funny story too. So I had mentioned that, you know, I had a buddy of mine whose, whose phone was off that whole time. And I knew there was, you know, two people that they'd gone together with my buddy. So two people, the uh, not my buddy but the other guy that i knew he was with i happened to run into him in the crowd during metallica's set and and you know out of half a million people that were there or whatever you know whatever it was the guy, he just came right up to, i was i was sort of focused my my eyesight was focused on the stage and my you know this friend of mine came <laughs> up and ryan you know and so he you know he was right in front of me and so i was a, a sight for sore eyes because you know he was the he was the way i got home the next day because i didn't have a car and i was you know at that point i was like i had no idea i was going to get home so uh, I ran into him. He brought me to uh, the. It was after the set, the Metallica set was done. Uh, he brought me over to where his tent was pitched, and there was my buddy sleeping in the tent. He slept in Metallica, <laughs> believe it or not. And, um, so I, I woke him up, and uh, the three of us went to the rave after that in the hangar. And I think we probably did that for like an. It really wasn't my scene at the time, uh, nor since then, I guess, but. Um, so we were there for like an hour, maybe hour and a half. So and, what, and we left. what's that like? What, cause the rave is the thing that everyone always wants to know about. It's like, you know, debauchery yeah, on it, wheels is what I've always heard. Like, do you remember the sights, sounds and smells of that place? I, I sure do. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you know, I, 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 I mean, to be frank, I learned a lot too on, on these documentaries about the rave too. I, a lot of stuff that I didn't know happened. I mean, you know, so the, the, all the negative stuff, um, I didn't see any of that. You know, I saw a lot of the, the free spirit, uh, you know, fun stuff, lots of naked people, obviously. Um, you know, but and somebody had offered me a special K when I was there, whatever the heck that I think it was ketamine. But, uh, <laughs> Correct. I, my, my my naivete at the time, I didn't know what the heck that was. So I thought he was offering me cereal quite literally. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm a cereal. Like a nice, like, you know. Free sample vendor. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but, uh, no, I did not consume any drugs from any strangers at that point. <laughs> um, I know that's like, back yeah, when I mean, you, could, was, you know, nowadays you gotta be really careful. Yeah, exactly. I know. And, um, so, so yeah, who, it was, it was, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank of the guy that played the rave that night, not Moby. Uh, Fat Boy was, Slim uh, would have been the Saturday rave hanger. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. And so I remember, I remember, um, whatever his big song was, the, um, you know, real techno. So I remember that playing there and it was just like you saw in the videos, I mean, it was, you know, dark, big, huge place. Um, you know, people talked about, a in the, in the documentaries about, a, a you know, RV or something going through there. I, I did not see that. I, I but it, it was big enough that it's possible to happen. And I just missed it. I mean, it, it was that, that big, um, you know, so we, we, you know, hung out there for a little while. And I think we probably got done with that around three thirty or four in the morning. And then went back to the tent and just kind of slept for another couple hours. But we, I was smart. I was lucky. And I got, you know, got out of there Sunday morning when I needed a ride home. And my buddy was uh, heading home. And so I was like, yep, I guess I'm going to go home with him. Yeah. And got the only ride I could, you know. Had you been to anything that was, I mean, like, had you been to any big festivals before this? Like, Like any kind of big, big, massive concert? uh no nothing like that i mean i i had seen metallica a few times um but no nothing like a festival of that i mean it, it you know that, I, I think the numbers were like two hundred and fifty thousand that actually eventually showed um and and i believe it i mean it was a small city i mean it was huge and you know when, when i remember walking into the festival the first sight of it was I, and I assume I, I, I could be wrong, but I assume it was man-made a an amphitheater type shape. You know, so where they I, I sort of envisioned they brought in dirt and laid it out in a way that was you know kind of like a, like an amphitheater, and because it didn't look natural. I mean, I think it was all on on that you know air, airplane hangar space. I mean, that's that's where it all was, and so that you know, um, and I remember the ground vibrating from the drums I and mean, that's how loud it was. I mean, it, it, you know, they, they had to get that sound to amplify all the way to the back and, you know, yeah, you could certainly hear it from, from just about anywhere, but it wasn't until I got in there and I was walk, making my way through the crowd that I could, I've never been to a concert where I could feel the ground vibrating to that degree. I mean, it was just, it was so loud uh, in a good way, you know, and you could still make out the music and not, you know, it wasn't, drowned out by anything right um, i mean is that intimidating though like like when you walk in i mean again like you're coming in like right when everyone is at their rowdiest with the exception of sunday night you know i mean like really you have yeah. the the limp biscuit post limp biscuit time and then you have the riot part on on sunday like is that like were you worried at all i mean not not having any contact not knowing like i mean what were you scared like <laughs> that's a crazy situation i was a li- I, I was nervous but i just wanted to be there so bad that i didn't I didn't really figure it. I was like, you know, what? I'll, I'll get home. I'll figure it out somehow. Um, it, it, it's it's funny you say because I didn't know that they had torn the place because you know, I, like I said, it was so big that when I was entering the site, as Limp Bizkit was wrapping up and, and going, you know, the people were ripping uh, plywood off the the walls and, and the perimeter fence. Um, I saw some of that, you know, but, but it was so far away from me to where I was, kind of back in the crowd. It was a little bit more low key. People were just kind of walking around. Um, again, lots of naked people, <laughs> you know, open, you know, in the back, you can do this now, but back then, you know, openly smoking weed and stuff was, was pretty rebellious back then. And, um, so that, you know, the, you didn't see that very often, let alone naked people walk around. So, yeah. so it was, it was obvious that it was free for all there. 
Um, but I didn't, it wasn't, you know, violent or uh, scary in the part of the crowd where I was. I think certainly if I was closer to the stage, it was much more packed. You know, it wasn't that packed where I was because um, I was even back behind the, you know, the tower, the sound state tower right. in the middle of the crowd there, um, you know, probably double the distance from there. So, uh, no, it, you know, I wasn't scared and I, I didn't get a sense. There wasn't what I witnessed, you know, coming in at that hour on Saturday night, going into Sunday morning, I saw no aggression, no violence. I mean, I, I know it happened, um, but it wasn't. And I think I, th I think that's the point that I would make, you know, especially after watching, because I watched all the documentaries and stuff. I think they give the impression, whether purposely or not, that the whole site was like that. And it really wasn't. You know, it, people were... Uh, very kind, very nice. Um, it was expensive, to be sure. And I think that played into some of the, the stuff that happened on Sunday night. Um, you know, because I mean, it was even by today's standards, $10 for a bottle of water is insane. But, but it was it was 1999. And they were charging $10 for a bottle of water. And um, so no, I didn't drink any water. I didn't eat anything when I was there. I figured, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna hitchhike or walk home or whatever the next day. Yeah, I mean, you had the benefit um, of only being there for you know a short amount of time, you know. But I mean, you got to see some of the yep. the legendary acts. Now, yeah, your buddy yeah. though that you said was asleep in the tent when when you got there. Did you hear any of his like war stories no. or, or what what put him in the tent so early? <laughs> I know. I think, you know, he, it's a good question. I, I don't know that it, he and I ever talked about it to that extent. I mean, he only <laughs> got there earlier that same day. So he didn't stay Friday night. He, and I forget, I think, cause I think you could buy passes just one day at a time. I think, uh, don't quote me on that, but I, he only got there on that Saturday. Cause I remember him telling me, Hey, we're going to Woodstock, you know, uh, you know, I remember saying, all right, have fun. Cause I was, at, I was at work on that Saturday uh, until about two or 3 PM or something like that. And I remember just feeling like this, like it, there wasn't a term for it back then, but there is now I, I had FOMO at the time. Sure, I was yeah. like, I'm missing out, you know? And, um, but when I got those pad, the wristband things, I, he was my first phone call. Cause I was like, Hey, I, I was hoping maybe I could catch him and I could, uh, go in there, but he didn't, I mean, if he got there probably maybe in the afternoon. So I don't think he really, in, you know, to that, I mean, I'm guessing he must have been quite, uh, exhausted from the heat and stuff like which is another benefit of me getting there when i did was i missed all of the the real hot weather it, it was warm and humid at night don't get me wrong but um i you know i came in at 8 30 after the sun was already going down and so i didn't i didn't have that same exhaustion that everybody else did um i wasn't drinking all day like a lot of people probably were um although i i put a couple of beers in my pocket and came in with them when i got there you know there, there was no pat downs or anything yeah what, what, what was security like by the by the end of the night because i mean I, we've talked to so many people that have gotten there like say thursday for the pre-show when they actually did have to like get rid of shit and when security was doing it and then yeah. you like i you can hear it like as the days go on it gets lax and lax so i'm assuming by second day at nighttime the, there was probably no one i mean what, what was the check-in like for you when you got there yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, it was non-existent by the time I got there. Uh, they were I, all I did was just show my, and they waved me on in, which was great because I had, yeah, again, I was 20 at the time. So I, had, I don't even know where the heck I got a couple of beers from, but I had a couple <laughs> with me, and um, and I had some, some obviously some weed on me, and uh, you know brought that in with me too, which I was glad because uh, the funny part was when my car broke down, a certain you know a, a trooper was the one that pulled over and kind of called the tow truck for me. Um, 
And so that was a little nerve wracking, but he didn't even get out of his car. He just literally was like, okay, we'll get your tow truck and he left. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, people were selling stuff. Who knows what the, you know, I, I, I did not engage with people selling anything or, or consuming anything from people at Woodstock, but, um, yeah, the security was very lax, but, and, and there were cops walking around. I mean, there was, there was troopers walking around. Um, but they were just so far outnumbered. They, they, there was no way they were, you know, pulling people over, talking to anybody about smoking weed. They, it just, it was kind of a free for all, which was great. I mean, that was kind of, the whole yeah, point. it's Woodstock, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we yeah. heard that, you know, the people selling stuff there, I mean, like, because security was so lax that it was essentially like an open air market. I mean, like with the exception of someone Ooh. offering you, uh, some, some special K at the, at the rave tent, I mean, were you seeing like people just blatantly selling drugs and paraphernalia yeah yeah I, I mean well there were stands that were selling paraphernalia so that was that was sanctioned i mean that was you know allowed um you know lots of lots of little vendors selling you know pipes and, and stuff like that which wasn't unusual at the time I mean, that you know their head shops were a thing back sure. then and people could you could you could own a pipe as long as it didn't you know, back then it couldn't have any marijuana residue on it so that was the the differentiator that would get you in trouble um yeah there was people selling beer out of their backpack uh people selling weed obviously and uh, i i had my own so i didn't bother uh purchasing anything but yes absolutely i think the the more shocking part to me was more the number of naked people that just had no concern whatsoever <laughs> just letting it all right out. you know they were it was it was it was quite a sight. Uh, nothing I had ever seen before. And uh from your experience was it did you see more naked dudes or naked ladies both equally <laughs> equally just walking around i mean they just you know they they just didn't care and uh you know it was it was all of the above you know and, and you know I'm, I'm assuming it's probably still a thing i don't go to uh, you know i'll take that back you know if you go to concerts now they're so locked down and so secured tightly controlled that you didn't you know back then that wasn't always the case especially at these outdoor concerts they were much more um not free but just open you know where people so back then girls would hop up on dudes shoulders they would they would flash their chest and um you know so it, it was much more common back then and not not as shall use air quotes shocking uh as, as it would be today right um you know so there was some of that stuff but but not it wasn't aggressive it wasn't uh unwanted necessarily you know I, I, i'm sure that happened but um i didn't see that it was all willing participants right as far as like the nudity and stuff goes i mean our theory was always that you know once everyone on the planet had a camera in their pocket that kind yeah. of stops i mean do you think that the level of anonymity at woodstock 99 kind of led to the more kind of debauched behavior and then of course some of the more negative stuff that you hear about uh, after the fact i mean do you think that if everyone had a camera phone it would still be the way that you experienced it i that's a good question i mean I, you, you would think it would have to play a part right i mean you know our, our generation to your point did not our every move wasn't being recorded right now that being said there was lots and lots of cameras there were there were the disposable cameras were a thing back then um you know lots of people had them hang you know actual cameras you know with a cord around their neck so that they could you know pop and take it so there was lots of documentation going on but it was nothing like today where you could literally tag people and, and 
grandma sees, you know, right. on Facebook that you're <laughs> naked walking around Woodstock. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, so yeah, I, I think, you know, you're probably onto something. I mean, it, it, you know, I think it was kind of a combination of a, yeah, you know, that we weren't, we weren't being documenting everything like we do now. And B, you know, the, the security and the, the environment was just much more open. You know, back then that like these outdoor concerts, um, and not just, not even just Woodstock, but just other concerts. They, you know, if they're outdoors, there was a, a an element of just the crowd would kind of come towards the stage, and security was always on the perimeter, right? right? And and no, you know, they wouldn't make their way into the crowd, so the crowd could kind of get away with it. longer than the crowd. You had kind of a safe space where you could you could smoke some weed, you could you know show your boobs if you wanted, you could you know do whatever you you know. Um, and but it's just not like that now. I mean, you go to concerts now, and it's just so so controlled yeah and you know takes that that you know element out of it you know sure now when, when you wake up on sunday morning now you're seeing the place in the daylight for the first time and there's been now yeah. what thursday pre-show friday and saturday of woodstock 99 what was your impression seeing the place in the daytime in the campsite and all that it, it was, yeah, I, yeah, it was just like you probably saw on TV. I mean, it, it very much so, you know, the trash everywhere. Uh, I saw um, both Saturday night and Sunday morning, you know, the, the porta potties that were overflowing and just, you know, tipped over. And there was, uh, I saw people doing the, the running through all that sewage. I mean, it, it's, there's no way to say it. I mean, it, I, I, you would have to be on some of that special K to, to, to run through sewage like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I would need that to, to go through that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it like a war zone. I mean, but even Sunday morning with a, with a full day left to go, there were abandoned tents. There were, you know, just trash all over the place, abandoned coolers with, you know, beer bottles. And stuff. So, um, I think that was an interesting part of the, uh, Doc Henners, I think got, got a very much right, which, you know, the, the, they just did not have a right, the proper plan for sanitation and, you know, bathrooms and sewage and all that stuff. It just wasn't, it was non-existent. I mean, and, and so I, that wasn't surprised at all to see all that stuff on the documentary. I mean, again, like I, knowing that you just saw, you know, such a, a short amount of music there, but with the time that you, you did spend there and, and what you saw, do you think that you would have been happy had you have purchased a ticket for that festival? Like, do you think it would have been worth the money that you would have spent had you had not gotten a free wristband? No, no, I don't think so. No, yeah. No, I, you know, no, no, it's funny because you're also asking the 44 year old version. Sure. Right? right. If you, if you were to ask the 20 year old version back then, I probably would have said yes. You know, like it would have been gung ho, you know. But, um, I, looking back, I mean, hindsight's 2020, 20, right? So, uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed the heat and not having anywhere to escape the sun. Um, uh, you know, I, it sounds like having water and food would have been a, an issue. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think there was enough to go around as I certainly didn't have that kind of money to buy that stuff back then. That's for sure. Right. Um, and you know, it, it, the idea of laying in a tent three nights in a row and that kind of heat and, and humidity and it, it would have been miserable, you know? So, um, I mean, it's funny because the tickets, you know, we would, we, you know, at, at two fifty a pop for three days. Right? I mean, it's it's insane. That's in such an insane bargain that 
by today's well, standards. Especially that, because, you know, I, you know, like a lot of these festivals, they like to get like up and coming talent. I feel like bands were so much bigger in the 90s just because of the exposure yeah. of people actually buying albums that like you're talking about almost every act is like a premier headlining act in their own right. You know, whereas yeah. whereas now lineups yeah. are kind of built upon the backs of smaller bands and then you have like the one huge draw headliner. Headliner, But exactly. back then, I mean, and it was everyone, know, yeah. I mean, you know, so the, the you know, cl- clearly like Limp Bizkit, for, for example, they, they had a, a reputation that not, prior to Woodstock, not like that. I mean, they, they had some hits, you know, and sure. um, they were, they were kind of the it thing back then. Um, Metallica already had a long history, as you know, by, by 99. And so that's why I, you know, I was really there to see them and see Rage. And the, the thing with Rage Against the Machine was even by that point, they had started to really slow down on the shows that they would perform. They, that's why I wanted to go see them so bad because I, I even back then I knew I may not get this chance again because they had started to, they, they were still together obviously. And, and I don't even know if they ever really broke up, but they, they had started to really wind down how many performance. So it was a treat to go see them. Um, and that's really what I went to go see. And, and I'm glad I did because I've never had a chance to see them ever again. Um, but now, of course, now, you know, again, hindsight being 2020, I wish I had seen the limpet because that, that was just limp biscuit just he that was the best performance out of the whole weekend if you ask well, me. the way he worked the crowd absolutely and it's the Jimi hendrix moment of woodstock 99 like what Jimi hendrix yeah. was to the original woodstock limp Bizkit was to, yeah. to 99 very much we, we've always very much that. so and i and I, mean, I think people that are really inter- interested in woodstock 99 sort of get it you know whether you were there or not they sort of get it because if you watch that performance you see just a, but i, I got to imagine um I still I don't consider myself having seen Limp Bizkit, even though I came in at the end of it. Um, I got to imagine that was just an, in person, just such an electrifying performance. And I, I get chills watching it on YouTube, you know, let alone if I had been able to see it in person. And I, I don't know that. So where I was going with that is I, I think people that are into Woodstock 99 understand that, but they never I don't think they ever got the credit they really deserve for. Uh, for that performance and having such a great performance. That, no, um, no, that outside of that. They, they didn't get any credit. They got blame. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind yeah, of the yeah. trade off there. Now with Rage, you know, we we always we had heard when we were doing our research that they kind of turned them down a bit because like to kind of make it less intense. But what I think happened, the reason why Rage is set when you watch it on like through the pay per view looks a little more mellow than Limbizkit is because it's dark, so you can't really see the the crowd. Yeah. I mean, when you were in that Rage yeah. crowd, did it still have like the level of energy that you see in like the Limbizkit? Oh, absolutely absolutely yeah 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 i mean we you know that's that's who i think a lot i mean them and metallica right and, um I, mean, I say this half kidding you know metallica hadn't you know started what i feel like is, was their kind of downturn you know Same um, anger. Yeah. they they were yeah yeah right thank you very much yes it felt yeah it, you know it, it's such a painful statement to make as a, as a big metallica fan but yeah they they were still at the height of their career if you ask me um and but but rage was really where it was at that was for me that was that was what i was there to see you know the limp Bizkit stuff came later after i watched the performance after the fact you know that, that i found that out but that's what that's where it was at for me and yeah i mean that the crowd was in it. i mean and, you, and so like i said you, know, you could feel the the drums and stuff vibrating the ground but also it was people jumping up and down you know during those sets that was just shaking the entire i mean it was it was a constant vibration on the ground and i think you know you don't pick that up 
on you know the the videos oh, of, of course uh, or the pay-per-view um you know it was it was loud the music was crisp and clear and you could understand every word um and very little echo i mean it, was, it wasn't much in the way of echoing so, you know i've been to concerts before where both indoor and outdoor where you just you can't make out the music or it's it's too echoey and stuff I mean, it, the sound was spot on i mean that, that that was one good thing that they got right you know? wow yeah so you know the the big thing obviously with woodstock 99 is that all the negative stuff that came out that was reported i mean obviously it starts with the fires and all that but then you start hearing about the sexual assaults and and things of that nature yeah. now when those stories were coming out, were you surprised to hear that that kind of stuff went on? Or hey, actually, let's back up. What was your reaction like on Sunday? Like, I'm sure you heard on the radio or saw on TV or something like how it had started to melt down with the fires. I mean, what, how did you react to that? You know, it's it's funny. So I I guess the way it played out for me was I, I had Sunday off of work. And I got, I mean, I got back in town pretty early. I mean, you know, I only lived 45 minutes away from the site. And getting out of the site on a Sunday morning was not hard. So I got out pretty quick. Um, and we got home and yeah, before lunch, I mean, and I was by noon home. And reports started coming in later that Sunday night. Because it, it happened at like, I don't know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at right. night. You know, so we didn't really, really find out much until Monday morning. Because, um, yeah, again, it, it's not like today where you get news alerts sure. all, you know you find out the next morning um and you know to your question was i surprised not one bit <laughs> no i was not surprised because you know I, first i mean you know you saw friday's performance i mean there was a good mix of of, of talent there right so you get you know james brown you got alanis morissette you had the jewel at one point you know all sorts of folks that you know that are not your you know anger you know, aggression type but then you had corn you're right yeah exactly you had corn you had you know rage and metallica and so it just first of all it just draws that kind of crowd first of all and then second of all um it there was i i do remember myself forget anybody else but myself being really annoyed at the pricing of of food and, and water and thinking gosh that you know I, i'm not you know naturally a, a violent person but um I think group think probably takes over. So I wasn't surprised right. that it happened. Um, and there were even, you know, it's, it's a little deceiving because there, there were fires that were going on Saturday night. You could see them kind of peppered throughout. I think, I think there were more like bonfire type things, like people like celebratory, not, not uh, anger, you know? Um, so there were some of that going on, but not to where they were um, attacking vendors or destroying property or anything like that. Um, lots of aggression towards, uh, I, I saw some of this towards the police, just comments, you know, people walking by and calling police names and that kind of thing. And, and the police were pretty good about just ignoring it and kind of moving on. Right, yeah. um, so no, I wasn't surprised and I was disappointed, but not, not surprised. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, and same thing with the sexual assault too. I think, you know, the sexual assault stuff, um, I, I didn't see any of that. I mean, to be frank, you know, uh, the, well, there's lots of naked women that were obviously doing it very willingly. So, um, I figure it was more an, an environment of, you know, hippie free type sex type thing. But, um, you know, I, I just wasn't exposed to it. But no, I wasn't surprised about the sexual assault. Yeah, stuff I mean, I, I feel you like know. that the the assaults, especially like as, as the festival went on, I feel like, yeah, it was a mix of like a bunch of dudes that have never been exposed to like the free love kind of like hippie experience and thinking that it's like free. 
like that free love means free. Yeah. Like I can take it, you know, because they're just not yeah. like, they're not used to the culture of like a naked person walking around at a festival. So like she must, you know, it must be okay. And like that. And then, like you said, group think mob mentality yeah. takes over. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's sad that, that it boiled down like that. Now you, because the only, like really the only two acts that, that you really saw uh, rage and Metallica. Now someone had died during Metallica um, of hypothermia in the pit. Is that something that like, I mean, again, it's only, it was just one person not to trivialize that, but I mean, is that something that you could have, that you're surprised only happened to one person? I mean, being in that crowd, I mean, what was, did it seem as dangerous, like dangerous enough to, to take your life while you were there? Uh, you know, I, I don't think I even realized that somebody died during the Metallica set. I, just, I think I'm yeah, learning that just for the first time. Um, and I'm guessing it's probably drug related. I'm guessing it, it, it was uh, it was like a, a hypothermic and then like heat heat stroke kind of deal and and not being able to. Yeah. Body, it was a body temperature meltdown uh, from being dehydrated all day and then being in the middle of that. That would not surprise. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how if you've ever been in you know few and far between in my life, but I've, I've been in, in crowds like that where. I mean, it was just packed and I could absolutely see how body temperature regulation would be an issue, especially if you're on any sort of drug or, or chemical or something. Um, yeah. I mean, because the the crowd was so, I, I, that's why I never got closer because I, I just wasn't going to go into that crowd. It was just so packed and I never would have made it. And, and you honestly, one would risk a fight frankly, to, to try to go through and, and weave your way through those crowds. I mean, you've got just aggressive people to begin with. Um, and then if, you know, if they perceive that you're trying to get a, a better view of them and they and you cut in front of them, it just, it's just fodder for, for, sure. you know, confrontation. So I didn't do that, but no, I'm not surprised when we passed away. Like, I guess I probably would have thought it would have been in the, the rave. I think the rave was where there was a lot of the more, at least by to you know by that that those standards back then the more experimental drugs were there in the, in the rave um you know molly and ecstasy wasn't as big of a thing back it existed but it wasn't as big of a thing back then but in that little sub subtext right. of the rave it was there you know and um so yeah I'm, I'm, i've heard of that with other people you know with with you know over the years i've heard that you know those kind of drugs mdma and that kind of thing that can can mess with your body temperature regulation that kind of thing that's why that's why i was curious if that's oh well, yeah. yeah i mean and everything it. feels good so when you when you're you know needing water when you're on that stuff you drink some water oh that feels great i should drink a lot more people like drown themselves by drinking so much water like they overhydrate that's <laughs> right. a problem too it's yep. out of control man yeah. well i mean well what's your uh let's just uh end it on this i mean what's your big takeaway from woodstock 99 i mean is it important to talk about is it silly i mean is it as big of a deal as as we here at podcast 99 make it out to be what, what, what do you think the overall takeaway of Woodstock 99 is? I think it's a couple of things. I, I think the the big one is I would, I would tell any young person to, to go and go and have that experience. Right. So today it's uh fireman, right. Or, uh, uh, you know, burning man, sorry, the fireman, <laughs> burning man, uh, you know, Lollapalooza in Chicago, go to those things because that's, you're, you're going to see acts that, aren't going to be in existence and you're seeing them in their heyday. Right. And, and do it. That, that was my big lesson was I'm glad I got there. I got to see it. Um, you know, back then I didn't think there would be such interest in it. Like there is now. I mean, I, th I think the documentaries that came out just drummed up 
the interest in it from a new generation. Um, so I would say that's my big take was go, go do it, go see it. Um, I think the other takeaway is that, you know, people with bad intentions are, are going to go to those things and, and they're, those are the ones that are going to make the, the biggest mess. Right. And that, I think that's what happened with Woodstock is you get 250,000 people you're going to have a certain percentage of them that are just bad people to begin with and have bad intentions. The majority of the people that were there were good intentioned, good people. Um, I saw a lot of kindness going on in, in my short time there. Um, I, frankly, I mean, I did not see much in the way of negative activity at all. I, you know, but again, I was only there for such a short time, but I just didn't see it. Um, which isn't to say it wasn't there, but it, it just, you know, it wasn't so rampant that, you know, I, I, I would hope people understand that that's not what it was. Um, but I think that's my biggest thing is, is so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that people see, because it, you know, if you take away all the bad parts, it was still a really fun experience. And, um, you know, you, you see, so, I mean, there's, there's artists that were there that are long dead now, you know, and, um, you know, bands that have either broken up or they're long past their peak and, you know, they're just not going to perform anymore. Um, so I just go, go do it, enjoy it because, you know, there, it, it's, it's going to be fun, but, you know, by today's standards that, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get back to that play. I think, I think promoters and venues now have such a hold on the behavior and, and what happens in these venues that you're just not going to get that sort of free experience anymore. set aside, maybe burning man and, and the real fun ones, but, um, you're just not going to get that nowadays. So, you know, but I, I say go do it. Enjoy your life. Right. Yeah. Just uh, be kind, you know, yeah. don't, don't set stuff on yeah. fire. Don't yeah. grab stuff that's not yours. Uh, don't grab people that, you know, don't want to be grabbed and everyone yeah. should be good. Well, you know, I, you know, what I say to that is um, there were 249,850 people that didn't do that. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, the, the the good ones far and away outnumber the bad ones and you know, the bad ones were there and they got all the press for it. Right. Yep. Sure. <laughs> you know. sure. Well, man, yeah. sounds like you were one of the good ones and I appreciate you for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you have any, any, any photos or anything like that, feel free to send them over. But uh, also it's a shame you didn't get to go earlier and brag to everyone that you got to drive Jamiroquai to dinner. Cause you know, I know, <laughs> you know, I passed, I it's uh, hindsight's 2020. I, I should have, they, they made a very, uh, what I felt was a very sincere offer for me to come in with them. And, uh, I just, I just did, I wasn't feeling it at the what? time and I, I probably had to get back to work, but it was set, now it goes down in history is probably one of the best missed opportunities that they ever had. Cause it was the night before they performed. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't think I was going either. You know, at the time I, I, I didn't have tickets, so I, you know, I wasn't going to go, but, Sorry, uh, Jamaica. You know, yeah, I can't they, go to Woodstock '99 with you. I have work. I know, <laughs> I know but you know, the, the tr truly, you know, and, and the the uh, the best part about them is that they give their music a listen because it is really, really good, upbeat stuff. It's great stuff. That I am now a fan, and, and that's the biggest you know regret right. that I have is I didn't appreciate it back then, but now I do. Right. You know? Well, you heard it here first, folks. Check out Jamaica. <laughs> All right, Ryan. We'll talk to you yeah. soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having of me. Bye. All right. Well, that was a fun, uh, nice, mellow change up to some of the past 
past survivor stories i love that against all odds still made it you know i, I love also just the missed opportunity there of like you're driving one of the biggest fucking bands on the festival they ask you if you want to go with them and you say no and then end up going anyways god that's so fucking good well folks that was uh Ryan on Ryan action there. Thank you so much for listening and hanging in tight. I know we don't do this as much. We're, we're really focusing mostly on our show culture dumps. So be sure you check out culture dumps. Um, but we also have, you know, all kinds of exclusive stuff on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash culture dump. So if you want to watch a Woodstock 99 set along with us while we commentate, we have those tracks up there for you to link, sync them up, you know, like uh, you used to do with your friends back in the day while watching wizard of Oz with dark side of the moon on. It's kind of like that um also we started a web store that is uh uh culture and on culture we are selling all kinds of collectibles there's some woodstock 99 memorabilia up there uh memorabilia having to do with our show all kinds of movies and books and you know tchotchkes and all kinds of stuff like that so if you can't sign up for the patreon or you don't want to but you want to own a piece of history or you want to help us out check out culture um also i think we we had mentioned it um i know that on one of the past episodes we did mention that we were going to be selling us B drives with the mystery tape on it. Still working on that. Um, I also, <laughs> thanks to uh, our past survivor, Andy, who we've had on a couple times, I am now sitting right next to a huge stack of uh, VHS tapes of Woodstock 99 and 94 being recorded off of the TV. So I'm going to find a way to digitize those and put them up. But if you want to watch the mystery tape right now, patreon.com slash culture dumps. We made it available at the $10 tier so you can watch the complete mystery tape in all of its glory and get access to all of the audio uh, bonus stuff that we have on there and research materials, photo albums of never before seen Woodstock 99 photos that have been sent to us by survivors. So check that out. Um, if you went to, worked out, or played Woodstock 99, contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. I'm Ryan Lichten, and I will see you at Woodstock. <laughs>